This podcast is all about talking about the questions that we all have in relation to Christian life in the world. Have to um, put a camel through a needle or something. Mm -hmm. Then we have to, you know, face like, persecution. Like wear a mask. What <laughs> so, uh, a hot take. Hot take. <laughs> I'm a normal dude. George is a Presbyterian pastor. Right. This is not for homeschool Johnny. And there we have it. <laughs> Second time's the charm, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, Cole Tostian speaking, uh, welcoming you to Cool Kids Bible Study Podcast, episode number five. Let's choose who goes to hell with me, of course, lifelong buddy, Pastor George Erlinson. George, how hangs it? It hangs well, friend. It hangs well. How hangs it with you? Well, I just fucked up our podcast three times. It's been a comedy of errors, really, <laughs> for the past 18 minutes. So. I accidentally had my, my mic on mute, and I made George restart his computer a couple times, uh, leave and enter the studio. and The whole yeah. time making snarky comments. <laughs> yeah, well, and then I uh, <laughs> I started the first recording without uh, connecting the soundboard yes. properly. So yeah, this is this is I guess attempt number three, and I feel I'm feeling good about attempt three. Hey, three is a good good number, number of the Trinity. I'm here for it. There you go. Yeah, the Triune God. Yes. Sh shout out Triune God, friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Uh, well, George, you know what? It's been such a helter skelter start. I'm just I'm gonna queue up light banter. Go for it. Let, let's just pray that some magic happens. All right. <clears throat> and now for a spot of light banter. Okay. I'm coming out hot. All right. In the beginning of this light banter because I've got some pretty good bants. Okay. All right. So one of the uh, lads at my own local church has discovered the show mm. because his dad's a listener. Right. And his dad made it very clear that like, hey, look, look, this is, uh, you know, this is Cole's podcast, but, you know, you really can't listen to it. He goes, but it's called Cool Kids. It's for cool kids. <laughs> that, like, That's what I'm, he sounds like? I'm not cool enough. That's how every preteen boy sounds to me. Fact check, like, sure. like, I'm not cool enough to listen? And he's what? like, no, it's just, it's, it's explicit. There's strong mm. language, blah, 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 blah. So, so this uh, the kid found that just hilarious. And so he decides that what he's going to do for fun is that every church picnic or luncheon we have, he <laughs> goes up to the sweetest old Southern Christian ladies he can find. And he tries to cajole them into listening to my podcast. And then he points at me and goes, <laughs> that's that guy's podcast. <laughs> So that then I have to explain myself to these sweet old Christian Southern ladies, and then I have to explain to them why I have a podcast about the Lord that mm. they can't listen to. Mm. Yes. So at, at first I was pissed, but then I realized this is like a brilliant troll. Like this, this is funny on so many different levels. Like the adult in me wants to be like, hey man, you can't, you know, but like the shit lord in me <laughs> just like respects the hustle you know <laughs> like brings you back to high school doesn't it that type of that's exactly what i would behavior. be doing at 12 yeah 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 it's genius I, I love it so yeah so mickey mouse just continually leads people in your church to see you for who you really are that's a good thing <laughs> It's a good thing. Yeah, he's tearing he's tearing down the veil just like mm. just like Christ did. Yeah. So uh, you can't really hate. I'm sure, he'll, that's a great um, comparison. Isn't that? Isn't it? Yeah, I'm very witty. Mm. Um, yeah. Years of improv school, improv camp, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I remember in high oh. school, that's what you told me. I, I was like, you know, Cole, you're pretty funny. How do you do that? And you're like, years of improv camp. <laughs> Yeah. It's called having it's called a having wealthy parents that <laughs> pay for you to indulge your friv frivolities and you know send you to improv comedy camp. Yeah, it could um, be worse. You could have sent to chess camp or something like that. Oh, can you imagine, dude? I feel so bad for those guys. I know. That just get really good at chess. Yeah. Can you fucking imagine? Like, yeah, I, I really can't think of anything to be a bigger waste of time there's it's moving through our friend group at the moment i don't know if you've heard about that uh so it's it's really tragic 
Just yeah, like, I have. Yeah, these two virgins that we're friends with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shout out Clay and Troy. Uh, they just, I don't know, they have these epic like chess matches with each other and they get really competitive and nerdy about it. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, shout out. It is really cool that they're chased, though. Yes, that is good. And chess did play a really big role in that. Yes. Yeah. So, Continues you know, perhaps, to play a big role. <laughs> perhaps we shouldn't. Throw out the bay with the bath bathwater here. I mean, um, who 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 may he who is without sin may cast the first stone on these chess playing virgins. But uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. When we get to our sex episode, we'll talk about how chess can be helpful to living a chase lifestyle. So, what is the sex episode called? Do I, we have a sex episode? On I, had, I actually don't think we put one down yet. Oh, not. are you talking about smoking hot and celibate? <laughs> oh, is that one of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's about that. that's about celibacy. All right, but I guess it's also about sex, right? Well, I mean, in how, how do you be celibate besides play yeah. chess? I'm sure that's in the rule of Augustine or Saint little Benedict. Little yin yang, little yin dong. Yeah, um, what have you? But <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. What have you been up to? We haven't really we haven't really talked that much over the last week. Yeah, yeah. Well. uh... Uh, a homeless guy has taken up shelter in my church again, so that's always uh, exciting. Kill it! <laughs> Boo! <laughs> no, just kidding. They're people too, guys. Yeah, seriously, Cole. Um, uh, yeah, and so that's always fun. Um, I, of course, don't mind helping people and stuff like that, but what ends up happening is is people who live across the street that don't go to the church get really upset that a poor person has moved near them. And and mind you, like, I don't yeah. live in a very rich neighborhood. It's kind of like a mi- middle-class, working-class neighborhood. But, like, they see people with shopping carts, and they get very, very scared. And Well, uh, poverty is contagious. Yeah, yeah, that's so, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a poor person coughs on you, your credit score could take a 200-point hit <laughs> instantly. Almost instantly. This is what a boarding school education purchased us. This type of knowledge. <laughs> Uh, exactly. And so, so how are you dealing with that? So, well, day by day, really, uh, you just have to kind of roll with the punches. Sometimes you're there and, uh, it's great. It's, you can just hand out food. It's very simple. Other times you show up to church in the morning and people are using the hose that you use for your garden to shower with. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's rough. Um, I don't know. We talked about this, I think, when it happened, but um, I had a lot of spare time in the middle of my day when I was living in, in Yerevan, Armenia, and I, I said a prayer that God would send me someone in need because I felt like I have three hours of free time and, you know, I might as well do it, you know, spend it with someone who, who needs my help or support or what have you. And mm. uh, I prayed that okay show me someone on my walk home it was an hour walk home because i figured why not i was outside the city but take a leisurely stroll who needs my help now i was expecting like an old person who needs help like i don't know this is so soviet but i I used to help my neighbor lug (laughs) uh crates of potatoes oh yes (laughs) up to his place i don't know why he had so many crates of potatoes it's either that or turnips one of the two he would in armenian he would be like young man you are strong Help with potatoes. I have crates of potatoes. <laughs> I was like, all right. I thought something like that. It's very common. Or like sometimes in Armenian, an old person will just grab you and just be like, do this. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but I ran into this marooned homeless kid. I shouldn't say kid. About our age, like late 20s. Sure. Who uh, approached me four minutes after I said this prayer and was like, excuse me, do you speak English? I need help. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, God, you know what? <laughs> this is not like, he was like, I'm homeless. I'm a refugee. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. Okay. I wanted feel good points from a task I could accomplish in, I don't know, 20 minutes max, you know? Sure. Lug some potatoes, feel good about myself, pat myself on the back. I'm a good Christian. You're sending me this homeless guy. He reeks of piss. <laughs> And now I have to like deal with this, but I ended up getting to know him better. And I mean, he's, he's turned out to be a guy that's suffering from paranoid schizophrenia. And, and mm. over the next like four weeks, um, just sort of tried my best to connect him with the right people. Uh, and it ended up being a total failure on, on my part. 
I mean, I, I would like have him over at my apartment, uh, make tea, try to like get him meals and stuff. Mm. And he would like lock himself in my bathroom and shit. Like it was really, it, it got really bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, it, it is so tricky to deal with those situations because you, especially if you're, you take Christianity seriously, you should really, your heart should go out to these people. You should try to help them. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, and he kept asking me, why are you helping me? Why, why are you helping me? And I was like, well, I mean, I, I came to clean with him. I, it's not a good idea to lie to a paranoid schizophrenic, <laughs> generally. So I came clean with him. I was like, look, I, I said this prayer right before I met you. Hmm. And so that's why I'm very, I extend a lot of trust towards you and, and Grace, because um, I think this is, this is my duty as a Christian this isn't something I'd normally do, honestly. I'm I'm not a really a, a good guy mm-hmm. in, that, yeah. in that to that degree uh, to like let a homeless person I just met into my home um, and like cook him a meal or whatever. But this is something that I this is a part of, of my faith. And then he got freaked out and I was like, "Look, I'm not gonna like force baptize you or anything. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna like convert you." Like I was like, "I told you, like if you, if you never become a." christian or even explore it it's right all the same all the same it's not all the same to me i'd like you to but that's not what this is about you know um right right. but yeah these situations are so tough so like this person's taking refuge i mean obviously you're not throwing them out as long as they're not destructive right or like how how do you yeah i mean at a certain point you probably have to. yeah at a certain point i have to i mean the thing Especially is, if they're, they're using drugs on on church property. Yeah, no, nothing like that has happened, as far as I know. Um, but like, it's just generally you go, I go until something more egregious happens or something, and then I have to tell them to leave or whatever. And I mean, most most of them who stay are only like transigent, so they'll only stay for a few days and then and then leave. And I'm I'm fine with that. It's like a small way to help help them if it just means that they can chill under our awning or something like that instead of getting rained on um yeah and we always we have a pretty big food pantry operation so it's good to give them food as well but but yeah i mean for me it's always just so striking because it shows like even among my congregation but among the community about like how we can say all these things about wanting to help the poor and stuff like that but it really it really depends what poor um and Mm. uh and people there's good types of poor and bad types of poor, but the Bible doesn't really distinguish between those two things. So true, it, it's difficult um, and it's sometimes scary, but you got to do it. So I've, I've given I've given guys like rides in my car where it's just been like me and like someone who possibly is a paranoid schizophrenic and been like, yeah, you know what, this could be the end, but this is what I'm called to do. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, and look, like, I want to make one thing really clear, like, uh, relying on your church community is great, and, you know, alerting your pastor when you're dealing with things like this is an awesome thing to do, but (laughs) um, there are mental health care professionals that spend their entire lives just studying how to uh, deal with uh, and treat people who are going through these situations yep and it's always a good idea uh especially if you think someone might be a harm to themselves or others to reach out to a social worker a clinical psychologist uh, someone who is is a real professional in that regard so um yeah not to minimize the importance of the church or what is possible through through god in the church but yeah, this is this is uh, if you feel in, like you're in over your head, but you think, well, I'm a Christian, it's my duty to serve these people. Well, if you're a dentist, right, it might be more your duty to give free dental work to those in need, right. than it is to try to fix someone who's a paranoid schizophrenic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that's that's something that I think is underemphasized. So I just wanted to make that clear yeah no 100 percent. pastors aren't psychologists so experts in different things but not psychology right right so uh that was not light banter no it wasn't <laughs> we we started it light um you just had to go serious and next you're going to be handing out hotlines to people 
I was just trying to make fun of people for hating poor people, but you wouldn't let me do it. So I'm, I'm being thrown under the bus now. Yes. Mr. Like bring up slavery in light banter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm the next light banter abortion. Yeah. Uh, well the episode is let's choose who goes to hell. So I guess like it was never going to be that light. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But, uh, yeah. Well, George, Time to die. Is the cat is the sub pressurized? It's pressurized. Let's Are go. We, is it? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. George's deep dive. It's so deep. Take us there, buddy. All right. So uh, the title of this week is "Let's Choose Who Goes to Hell." And why did you want to do this topic, Cole? I mean, you know, this is one of the ones you suggested. So, like, why, uh, why this one? Look, I think it's important to understand who we're sending there oh yes you know i, I think yes <laughs> no I, like look so obviously uh this is a topic that gets brought up a lot mm. to christians and um when someone finds out i'm a christian and, and they're aggressive towards me about being a christian the first thing they go to is oh so you just think that blah 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 is going to hell so you just think gays are going to hell so you just think like jews they're all muslims they're all just they're just doomed to hell. I always love how you put on like I'm a, going to hell. A, a, like a feminine voice. It's pretty funny. Hey, hey. <laughs> it's not always a bitchy woman. But <laughs> there goes all our female <laughs> listeners, Cole. Thank you. Just to let everyone know I'm not a misogynist Look, like Cole. No, no, no. I just want to make it very clear. That that no one with blue hair has ever come up to me, wave their Wesleyan degree in my face. <laughs> And screamed, so I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. That's happened to me. No, no. It's always someone that just came from a Ted Cruz rally, uh-huh. uh, driving a Ford pickup, listening to good old-fashioned Johnny Cash. I mean, that's the person that gets in my face about. Yeah, you had to say Wesleyan, a- huh? You couldn't say Bard or something like that. <laughs> Hey, hey, that is my sister's alma mater. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Could be my niece's future. There's nothing wrong with Bard College, okay? Okay, look, the mentally ill need a place to go to learn how to make music using nothing but pots and pans filled with water. It's true. Okay, so there is a, a place for Bard College in this country, and I will not have it mocked. All right, I'm sorry. So you're on thin ice, Pastor. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Bard Bears or whatever their mascot is. I'm sorry. Do they have a mascot? Probably not. Isn't it Come on, they're the pencil necked nerds. I doubt they have a mascot. <laughs> we have mascot ironically, dude. <laughs> I swear, when she was there, they had a frat ironically. <laughs> I remember. It was... When did... When was... Okay, I was six... Allison was in college there, and they did. They started a, an ironic fraternity. Hmm. Great. Wonderful. So, yeah. No. On a serious note, like I, I kind of like grew up on the campus of Bard. Hmm. <laughs> and um. Yeah. I mean, they're wackos, but. I mean, they, I saw some really brilliant art there, and. Sure. Uh, yeah, and it's just, it, it, you need, you really, I was joking earlier, but you really do need places like that where, like, extremely free-thinking artists can go and be around people of, of the same mind. Because when you have communities like that, you can you can have some, like, really amazing artwork that comes out of it. We forget that, like, a lot of the early Christians mm-hmm. were considered complete <clears throat> whack-job weirdo types yeah yeah 100 percent. right so so you never know out of out of what type of community what what kind of uh beauty can can spring yeah yeah. so the question remains though is like why do these quote-unquote brilliant artistic communities always uh produce people that are so scared of going to hell that's the question um (laughs) because they're all sodomizing each other (laughs) right of course of course yeah and that's not just the gay ones either yeah okay? no, i want to make that course. very clear yeah they're all engaged in sexual sin and so they fear the fires of hell mm-hmm. yes 
Yeah. So no. I, well, why are they so concerned? I don't think they're afraid of hell. No, honestly. I know. I, was just, I don't think they're afraid of hell. At you're the all. one who just is just... stereotyping the person to come up to you as someone from Wesleyan or Bard or whatever these <laughs> colleges as being someone who's too mad. I would, I would never them. lump Wesleyan in with Bard. I think <laughs> I think the average Bard person is more of a sort of like free thinking, curious thinker mm. than a political ideologue. Does, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. They're just not... They're, they're like... It, Bard is not a political place. Or like art school is listen, not a political place, really. Listen. You know? Listen. All I was trying to do was make fun of your sister's alma mater by plugging it. Okay? <laughs> That's all I was trying to do. Because all of these hippy-dippy schools are exactly the same to me. All right. That, yeah. That, all right. That, that was all I was, all I was trying to make, the, make clear with that. All right? Um... Dare I, dare I use the same hit two episodes in a row? A bunch of spoiled kids whose only understanding of life comes from watching music videos. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Someone understands. It's, it's so good. Someone no, understands. But, <laughs> but why are they so concerned with... I think, honestly, when people do that to me, or I'm sure people have done it to you, um, it, it's just a way of lashing out at what they think is backwardness. Mm-hmm. So they associate, basically they associate everything I just spent the last five minutes saying as a joke. Right. With the reality of how Christians think and operate. Sure. Right. So, and there are enough Christians that think and operate that way for them to have every right in the world to think that, frankly. Yeah. No, that's actually what I was trying to get at, is that, get to eventually, I guess, is that these... uh, these assumptions aren't entirely unfounded. I mean, oh, yeah. even even if it's the minority of Christian voices in the United States, like these are the voices that make themselves very well heard a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's why people often uh, only see Christians as being either uh, zealots or hate mongers or, or things like that, you know? Are you, are you fishing? I'm fishing. fishing. I was for fishing this? for it. It sounded like the rantings of someone who was either a hate monger or a religious zealot. And I'm wondering, which are you? And that's the question for all of us to answer. Which, which are we? <laughs> um, I, hate, I hate binaries like this. I don't want to choose. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll choose religious zealot because it sounds cooler. But um, here's the thing. Is... Uh, is is like we in general in the United States and in the West have an aversion to hell language. Like even Christians don't like talking about hell all that much. Mm, um, no, it's my least favorite topic. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's like an important part of the tradition. I mean, like this has led to lots of different streams of Christian thought and stuff like that. Like I remember in college when I was, I think it was like transitioning from high school into college and when i was still trying to figure things out like i fell very much into the universalist camp and for those people who don't know universalism is this teaching um that says that everyone is saved regardless of whether or not they believe and stuff like that and i i remember reading this book by rob bell called love wins which was kind of this big big book that that argued that that position and things like that um and uh and i understand like why that's such a uh an issue because in the book uh rob bell uh writes about how his church like i can't remember they had like some like world day or something where they wanted to highlight a bunch of different countries and like someone did something on gandhi and then one of the parishioners uh went up and wrote next to gandhi's name it's like we shouldn't care about gandhi because he's in hell or something like that (laughs) Right, and that like, but uh, ironically, or no, seriously, I think at least in the oh, book he man. presents it as something that happened seriously, right? And um, and that oh, set Rob man. Bell on this this whole path of being like, well, if Gandhi's in hell, that isn't very just or whatever, right? And you'll hear lots of uh, uh, talk about stuff like that, and and I was attracted to that uh, type of thinking quite a bit, um, kind of early on in sure. my spiritual walk, and I think lots of other people are as well, because it kind of avoids the. Um, the elephant in the room and can kind of get you around it. But, but one of the problems that I came to is just like, if you read the Bible, you really can't escape talking about hell. Um, yeah. Especially 
you know, if you, there's like this idea that, you know, uh, the church invented hell or Paul invented hell or something like that, right? It's just not about, but like Jesus is the one who talks the most about hell more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And that's like something that we have to be very aware of. Um, and so you can't just write it off um, and, uh, and things like that. So I, uh, I eventually moved away from universalism and have come to accept uh, hell as a literal place. Um, but I do think that the thing there is that uh, what you needed to realize as Christians and even non, non-Christians as well is that kind of what ends up happening is we end up kind of embracing a works-based theology when we focus so much on what you do and don't do that lands you in hell. Um, because, you know, just to take Rob Bell's example, right, he would say Gandhi shouldn't be in hell because he did enough good things, right? Um, and uh, and s- some Christians would say you have to be in hell because you've din- done so many such, such and such bad things. But that's actually, you know, and that's, these things, you know, are true in the sense that, like, our works and our bad deeds condemn us, right? But I think one of the things we, we miss is that, you know, one of the main teachings of Christianity is that we're all sinners. And so we all actually deserve hell. That's actually the teaching in Christianity um, right. that, that people usually forget. It's not that we, some of us don't deserve it and others do. It's that we all deserve it. But, you know, God be praised that some of us aren't, aren't sent there because of our belief and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, uh, I, I think of this, this verse often because I, uh, these verses, one, because these are the most like quoted verses all the time. You can't go to a baseball game without seeing it written. And it's John 3.16, but also what happens after that, right? Everyone, I mean, even if you don't know John 3.16 off the top of your head, most people can like like know that it's like always quoted or whatever, you know, Chick-fil-A puts it at the bottom of their cups or whatever. Um, and that's uh, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Right. That's John three sixteen. It's a nice mm-hmm. verse, kind of like a summarization, I guess, and of the Christian teaching. Um, but one of the interesting things here is 17, which comes after, which most people don't know. And it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Right. Um, and so there you actually see this idea of like, that this is mainly a stepping in of God in order to save people from a place that we're all going to. Uh, and I think that that's an important aspect of this that's, that's missed. And a lot of Christians, uh, forget that. And I think that can lead to a lot of pride um, and that's what leads to everything from the, you know, old church lady who kind of scolds you and tells people they're going to hell, uh, to yeah. like the Westboro Baptist church doing what they did and stuff like that. It just is like kind of a lack of, of humility on, on the part of Christians. Yeah. Very well put. I mean, we're supposed to be at our best a group of broken fucked up people trying to reach out to other broken fucked up people Mm. and sort of embracing them and saying like hey we're like you but here's a thing that we do that makes it better I really think that's us at our best Mm. at our most beautiful I mean that's what I hope this church plant will accomplish. Like I, there's nothing more beautiful than a church community that accepts how imperfect it is, Mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, and humility is meant to be a cornerstone of, of, of faith, but we fall into this game of, you know, point scoring and patting ourselves on the back for for all the good that we do i mean i think my encounter with that homeless guy in armenia Mm -hmm. uh was instrumental in teaching me how far from good i am sure you know i'm not even sure how much i helped that person yeah yeah (laughs) you know i mean like i don't know 
And I wouldn't have even tried if God didn't push me to. So, I mean, you can't, you can't lose sight of that. Sure. And this comes back to my uh, goofy operation analogy. It's like, yeah, you have to keep looking at yourself as someone who simultaneously is enough and is loved and is has f- fundamentally good aspects but who can be infinitely better mm. always yeah um, yeah, I, yeah i like that i actually it reminded me of something that tim keller uh put out recently and uh, he said um I, I just found this very striking even though it's like kind of obvious if you've listened to enough sermons but you'd think by this point i have the amount of services i've sat through through my whole life but but he said something just so uh, you know uh, profound, where he said like, "You really can't forgive anyone until you realize the depths to which you've been forgiven, right?" And I think that yeah. actually, you know, and that's about forgiveness. But I think you can extend that out there. It's like you really can't condemn anyone until like you realize that you also stand condemned. Um, yes. And then like it's there that you're like, oh, uh, that's not a, you know that. You know, I need to have a little bit more humility because I know the first thing that many more, you know, Christians will do when you talk about, you know, having humility when judging others and not telling people that they're going to hell or like doing that in a different way than being straightforward or whatever is, is that they'll be like, well, then, you know, we're not going to tell people what they're doing is wrong. And no, you can absolutely tell people what they're doing is wrong. Like Jesus does that all the time. Um, and, Mm -hmm. uh, and just like Matt Walsh, just like Matt Walsh, exactly. Friend of the show, Matt Walsh. Um, and uh, uh, and so you, you can tell people that they're doing wrong it's the way that you do it and the understanding is similar to our episode on Matt Walsh where it's like you're understanding that you also stand condemned and so you can't just like lay into people and, and things like that and, and I think that it reminds me uh, I was you know I'm searching through verses for this podcast and uh, I went to Romans and Romans is great for this because basically Romans is is if you if you are if you've never read the Bible or you've read the Bible a little bit and you're like looking for like a really quick breakdown of Christian theology, you can read like the first twelve chapters of the Book of Romans, uh, and you'll get the you'll get a really good gist of of it. Um, and it, and and it starts off. Paul starts off Romans in Romans one and two, basically talking about how fallen the the world is. Um, and he 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 starts off by just saying, you know, everyone has gone astray. And then in in the second chapter, he starts off by saying to these, this Christian congregation, right? This He's saying this to Christians. He's not saying this to random people, right? He says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you pass judgment and do the same thing. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? And so like right there, you have a really powerful thing where it's like you do these same things, right? You might not do them in like a – uh, in the same way uh but you mm-hmm. still engage in in sinful activity and that doesn't you know oh yeah and that doesn't allow you to i just... mean all of these christians that spend 90 percent of their time condemning homosexuals for sexual immorality sure i mean okay anytime you lust towards a woman who's not your wife it could be in passing right you're also committing a sin of sexual immorality right and that's not to draw a complete equivalency. I'm just saying, like, no human alive lives without, like, committing sexual sin. Right. Yeah. Right. No, so, a- absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I yeah. Also, a lot of those guys, it's like, start the clock until they're discovered with a gay mistress. Like, <laughs> you know? Anyway, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> I'm very, a, a like... gay mistress. Really interesting, Cole. <laughs> What is this? The, oh yeah, nineteen eighties. A gay mister. <laughs> I don't. But you know what I mean. Like I, I'm very like weary of Christians that spend the bulk of their time castigating the gay community. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's just put it to put it mildly. 
But um, yeah, like so. Okay, moving forward a bit. Mm. How certain or how much certainty can we have over who does or does not go to hell scripturally, George? Yeah, like, give us the give us the yeah good. bear breakdown. So good question. Um, so the bear breakdown is uh, at the end of the day. I mean, this is especially true as Reformed Christians, right? Uh, which you and I are. But I would say that this is true really of everyone, unless you really think you have stuff figured out. And in that case, I would suggest that you you don't. Um, but the the idea here is that uh, we can we know one truth, right? And it comes from Romans ten. And Romans ten says. Oh, uh, if you confess in your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? Um, that's it. That's all you have to do to be saved in the Christian faith, right? Of course, we expect, and it's expected in scripture, that like fruit flows out of that, that you actually believe it, and then you you do things, right? That's why James tells people that uh, faith without works is dead. But like, that's that's actually the only guarantee that we have of someone's salvation in scripture is if they do that. And I kind of extend charity towards anyone who, who says, who says that that's their belief and what they've done. Right. Um, outside of that though, like we don't know, uh, who, especially as elect, you know, as Christians, right. In, in, uh, it talks about election a lot in the Bible of who God elects to salvation and who he doesn't. And the thing is, is we can't, uh, be sure outside of Romans 10 who is elect and who isn't because we're not God. We don't know the, mm -hmm. we don't know the past. We don't know the future. We don't know who is uh, is elected and who is not. Um, and that's that's really what it comes down to. So the only thing I say as Christians that we can know is that if that Romans 10 thing is fulfilled, we know you're saved. And that's really what matters. Is, and the only thing that church needs to be concerned about is making sure that you begin to bear fruit, right? That you actually have been baptized with the Holy Spirit in, in that way. Um, because if you right. haven't, then that's a good sign that like, you know, you might say that Jesus is Lord or whatever, but you don't really actually believe he has any claim on your life if you're just, you know, doing the same sinful things. That Pascal's wager doesn't work? <laughs> well, Pascal's wager is problematic for all sorts of reasons. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, in a completely Christian world, I think it makes sense, but uh, not not really outside of that. And even then within it, it still has problems. So so my whole thing is is that we, we can't know, right, unless we're God, about who is, isn't elect. Um, and the best we can know is that if you... Uh, b truly believe what Paul says in Romans 10 there and follow that through that you are elect um, and that that's a, a joyous thing. Um, and so that's, that's for bi from a biblical standpoint, what we can know. Now, I will say that the church has always taught uh, that uh, many people are actually, most people are not elect. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there have been some pretty choice quotes from theologians over the years. You're, you're a big fan of Thomas Aquinas, I know. And, oh, yeah. uh, and Thomas Big Aquinas time. is one of his great lines about hell is that half the joy of heaven is seeing, seeing those who are in hell being punished justly. Um, and okay, so I'm not a fan of that <laughs> specifically. Let's not. No, no. <laughs> I think you, you said you agree with everything he says and you are a huge fan of his. So I just want to make sure that you, that you no, also, no, no, not like everything. That. No, I'm, I actually, the hell stuff's okay, but he was more of a Cabernet Sauvignon guy and I'm more of a Pinot Noir guy. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. big differences between us, but the theology, no, yeah. Every word of it's golden. <laughs> um, I think, uh, you know, it, from my reading of the Bible, it seems that the Bible's a lot clearer on who is saved and who is unequivocally condemned to hell. Hmm. Right, so they say that like X Y Z things lead to hell. Uh, they say like this is the way to hell, right? But I feel that the Bible is a lot clearer on on who is saved and who is definitely going. Yeah, I mean, it's it spends a lot more time trying to tell you the fruits of salvation and things like that, mm -hmm. right? Now, I will say that I I think Romans one and two would say that everyone's going to hell. <laughs> Uh, and uh, that's kind of the bitter pill for a lot of people to swallow. Yeah, um, but I don't want to believe that. So yeah, that's the, that's that's the bitter pill, right? But that's the uh, the joyful thing, though, is that that's not actually 
what happens to everyone, right? That's where the cross comes in and where Jesus and what he does uh, is so important. Um, yeah. That's actually I mean, why it's called the good news, right? It's called the good news because you you, you could go to hell, but luckily you're not. That, that's that's the yeah. that's the good news, right? What about what about purgatory? The Catholics it's like made talking up. about purgatory. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I could do a whole thing uh, just bashing purgatory, but it, but it's made up. Next question, please. <laughs> yeah, it is okay. Yeah, it's pretty pretty a scriptural to be fair. <laughs> Uh, but okay, but what about if a saint had a dream about it? <laughs> then, well, man, if a saint a saint did it, oh man, then I guess I, I guess the Bible just you know can be overwritten all the time. Then, um, well, <laughs> whoa, okay, Mister Reformer. Um, no, look, yeah, <laughs> it, it, this is one of the most uncomfortable <laughs> truths as a Christian. This is really. And um, it is interesting when people confront me with it because I'm like, yeah, I'm not comfortable with this stuff either. Sure. I'm really not. Um, it, it, it's just one of those things where, especially as someone who has had crazy God experiences where I'm like, I don't question, I'm not at the point of questioning the Bible, right? I'm at the point of learning meta, like how the metaphysical world operates via the Bible and then having to swallow, you know, bitter truths like this. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough, but at the same time, like I, wait, who am I to question God's law at a certain level? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let me, let me, uh, give an example of something and, and how maybe people who aren't Christians and even Christians themselves should view this thing. Um, I do a lot of uh, interfaith, interreligious work with other clergy in the area near me. Um, and one of the things that I reminded of, it's I, I saw this video from uh, Penn Jillette. Is that his name? The, the magician guy? Yeah. And, and if, you know, he's part of Penn and Teller. And if people don't know, they're, you know, they're a magic duo. But one of the things that he, both of them are kind of known for, but especially Penn Jillette, is like being like a really rabid atheist type guy. Um and I remember seeing a video from him, and it must have been like a decade or something ago, a long time ago. And uh, and he talked about how at one of the shows that he was at, uh, one of his fans gave him a Bible and said to him, you know, we're not all crazy, um, because he usually, you know, would do the stereotypical crazy Christian type thing. He said, you know, just read this or whatever. And and he did a video, and he was like, you know, this didn't convince me. But and I, he made the Bible disappear. Yeah, no. <laughs> like a rabbit in a hat. Um, he's like, it didn't convince me, but I will say, like, if you actually believe that someone is going to hell, shouldn't that, like, inspire you to go out and try and tell them about things, like, and not just let them condemn themselves, right? And I think a lot of Christians should take that. And, and he's a secular person saying that, right? Mm. Uh, and also to the secular people or people in general who get, including Christians, like, who get like a little upset when people are told to hell or you're told, you know, that you might go to hell or something like that. You know, I uh, do interfaith work, as I said earlier, and I work with Muslims and they think I'm going to hell. Do you see my wall right. falling apart? Do you see my ceiling crumbling? No, right? This is part of religion and part of like human experience and things like that. It's like, if you have truth claims, um, there are truth claims that could be right, could be wrong. And if you're wrong Amen, about them, yeah. then you could pay for them. Um, and that's kind of a religious perspective. So, on it, but I was having an argument with uh, a friend of mine who is uh, an atheist, and uh, she was talking about how you know, well, I, I can't get around the idea of these religions that you know divide people by telling people in cultures around the world that aren't Christian that their culture is wrong. Mm. And that th that culture needs to be supplanted by Christian culture for them to, to go to heaven and not to be condemned to hell. And I was like, okay, fair enough. It is very uncomfortable for me as well. But really the only one who can make that claim truthfully is someone who is like a Foucault or a Derrida acolyte. Sure. You know, someone who is deep in the postmodernist 
tradition of denying all truth claims. All that exists is the body and its pleasures. <laughs> well, it's an oversimplification, but you know, like someone who who really does believe that uh, all truth claims need to be eliminated, and and thus, you know, that's the only way to stop any kind of like universalistic thinking. Sure, you know, because we all have this person. Right, is a very she's very like upstanding moral person with a strong sense of justice so sure. i'm like i know you don't think this i know you're not like a 100 percent uh moral relativist when, when it comes to like looking at different cultures uh but yeah that th- that is that is a tough pill to swallow but at the same time it's it's something that is part and parcel of holding any truth claim yeah dear to you so yeah yeah and I'm, I'm honestly touched like when missionaries come to me or my muslim friends try and uh uh talk to me about it because like at least it shows they care enough to talk about these things rather than kind of hiding them so i i take it in a positive way um but i think it it, you know it does it does take kind of an understanding uh, in order to do that it it can't just happen especially it depends how the person's doing it too any christian who's comfortable with the idea of hell and will will stoop to like using it in argumentation I just find that so gross. Mm. I can't. Yeah, I mean, I think up. using it as a, uh, I mean, it, it could, yeah, man, we could have a much longer and better conversation on it. Um, but like using it Thank as, God a, we have a, as light a gotcha last segment. Yeah, yeah, as a gotcha, it's it's not it's not good. Um, I think like hell serves a very good purpose, um, but I don't think that like using it as as some sort of carrot stick or gotcha thing is not very it's it's not what our attitude should be when we try to evangelize people certainly um yeah yeah and like i didn't even think about the afterlife until much later than my conversion like it was it was like six eight months after i became a christian that i even that this even entered my mind you know yeah yeah well we can it save it for a, a big part of <laughs> sorry no no we could save it for a podcast where uh we talk about how we all become angels after we die and do that <laughs> oh man uh yeah this uh girl that i'm dating is really uncomfortable with the, the title of that episode because <laughs> she she went through the list of our episode concepts uh-huh. and she was like does Oh, oh wow! Seriously, <laughs> I'm like, which which one is it? She goes, she, she wouldn't even read. Right? It. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the guardian angel one. I'm like, oh, does my guardian angel watch me pound off? <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, I'm a very visual person, and I don't want to visualize that. Classic. And I was like, hey, I'm a Christian. I don't do it anymore. Right. You know, yeah. it's just. <laughs> but it's a question everyone has. Everyone is. A- but it's a question that you know I asked George uh, a couple weeks ago. Yes, that's true. <laughs> he did ask me that question. Yeah. All right. Look, I just praise God that we've made it through forty minutes of talking about hell. Yeah, my least favorite topic. My and, favorite topic. And and let's answer a question. Yeah. From a listener. Let's go. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. You got Q's, I got A's. Can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, I was especially chuffed today because uh, we got our first question from a listener that I do not know. Awesome. Which is cool. Yeah. Her name's Ashlyn, and Ashlyn writes, she wrote Hi Pastors, George and Cole, which I hope was a typo, because if anyone listening to this show believes that I am a pastor... There's a huge problem. <laughs> so I just want to reiterate that I have no formal uh, theological background. Um, <clears throat> so, hi, Pastor George and Cole. I found out about your podcast from one of my friends. It's really great, and I like your honesty. Mm, Thank mm, you. Mm. Uh, although Pastor George's dating life is off limits, can you talk about the Christian perspective on dating? The circles I run in are more traditional and complementarian. I would appreciate your thoughts. Thank you, Ashlyn. Well, thank you, Ashlyn. Uh, I replied, although Pastor George's dating is theoretically (laughs) awkward, I will bully and peer pressure him until this changes, such as our commitment to the listening. (laughs) 
So, George, why don't you kick us off? Awesome. What's the full name of the person you're dating? Uh, I don't, have, I don't have her permission to share any of that. So, Give unfortunately, I can't just share. Uh, and, you know, I'm trying to keep this as secret from her as possible. Um, although. Oh, she doesn't know. No, she knows. It's a lie. I'm not. She, I'm not but know. has she? Has she? Has she listened? listened? I don't think so. She probably have. She probably I'm wonder so, why someone I, curses I, so much. That's probably. Been I, I envy you so much. Because <laughs> I'm dating someone who listens to every episode. Yeah. And it freaks me out. Yeah, I tell her. It's funny. I actually tell her about it, and she's just like, oh, "Okay," doesn't ask any questions about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay, like, full disclosure, uh, I, I don't remember what episode it is, but the one where I go, um, I lose my train of thought, and I make you save the podcast. Mm, yeah. Because I just completely lost what I was thinking about. Yeah, that episode, I was freaking out thinking about how <laughs> this person I just started dating is listening to all these podcasts and <laughs> judging me. Um uh, but I but I admit those feelings and I'm open about them, which does make me pretty cool. Yeah. So there's that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What is your like general approach to to dating? And not like how do you spit game? Yeah. No. No. Okay. I know I'm not being no asked about pickup to... lines or whatever. Ashlyn does not want to hear that. Yeah. But she says she's she's running in a more uh, traditional and uh, complementarian circle. Uh, circle. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't really know anything about complementarianism. Sure. Yeah, so firstly... uh, It's like like equality between men and women, right? No, that's... Well, all right. I'll I'll explain the two sides uh, and why I actually don't really like the terminology for for either one. All right, let's uh, let's just just dive in. So important thing for dating in general, right? And especially since this is a Christian asking for advice, is to note that the Bible doesn't have any explicit rules on dating because dating was just not something people did at the time the Bible was written. So we can pull out uh, teachings, right, about uh, how we should carry ourselves, how we should be respectful towards other people, loving our neighbors, right, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ as we date them. Um, And that means, you know, not being petty, not being manipulative, not cheating on people, right? Uh, It means, and this was the hardest one for me when I used apps, not ghosting people. Because I think ghosting is is a cruel thing to do. Um, And so, like, I refused to do it even though I felt a temptation sometimes because it was so easy just to pretend you never saw a message. Um, (laughs) And so, uh, you know, it means being straightforward and that means kind of being uncomfortable from time to time. Um, And so loving people is a big part of dating and it doesn't even mean romantic love. It just means, you know, unconditional love that God shows us and and treating people. Agape. Yes, exactly. Agape love. Treating people the way that you want to be treated, right? So that's like my rule number one for dating. Rule number two, when it comes to finding someone, um, it means having conversations. uh, You know, you want to have fun and stuff like that, but you want to really have conversations, especially – you know, I mean, not the first date, but, you know, second, third or whatever, where you like talk about things that matter to you that are important to you. And that could be parts of your faith. Right. So for me, infant baptism is one of those things. Um, and I've had to end relationships or end, uh, you know, seeking after people as as partners for dating because they disagreed with me on that. And that's fine. Um, and so, so you're like no Baptists allowed. Um, is that on your bumble profile yeah it's on my bumble profile yeah my uh, my tinder um what okay what what denominations would you not date um i think it would i think i i'd have to lds uh, well they're not even i I don't even consider them christian so i wouldn't even i don't (laughs) mormons aren't christian it's very simple same with jehovah's witnesses i don't even consider those two um uh no, I think like for me, it's less about denomination, but more about like compatibility of shared beliefs and things like that. Um, and so mm-hmm. like, it's not like I would say no Anglicans or something like that, um, <laughs> or no Lutherans. It, to me, it's just like, there are important things that I think uh, are, are uh, what the Bible teaches. And I don't want to like compromise those, not because like, I don't believe this person, other person is not a Christian or something, but it's just like, yeah. if kids get involved, that's when these things become important. And if you're going to have a relationship where you would like to have kids, it's important to have these conversations. And that extends to non-Christian listeners too. Like, I can't tell you how many relationships kind of go sour as soon as they 
end up in a situation where like their fundamental ideals conflict with one another um, when you realize that having these conversations is really, really important. So I would say that. Now, when it yeah. comes to dating in traditional and complementarian circles, um, I think that it it has its own kind of baggage and stuff like that. Some some things that maybe you believe, um, Ashlyn, and uh, maybe some things that other people believe. But just for the listeners who don't know this distinction, there are two kind of schools of thought in Christian things regarding gender roles, and it's egalitarianism and complementarianism. Egalitarianism teaches that men and women are uh, created equal and can fulfill the same roles, right? So a man doesn't necessarily have to be the head of the house, all that type of stuff, right? Complementarianism also teaches that men and women were created equally, um, obviously, because that's what Genesis says, but uh, that they fill they uh, fulfill complementary roles, right? So men are the leaders and deciders and things like that. Um, I am the decider. I just thought of that George Bush quote. I'm the decider. I'm the decider. Um, and uh, and uh, women uh, in relationships like that are expected uh, to bow to uh, the man's headship in the house and stuff like that. Um, I really don't put myself in either of those camps the more I thought about it um, because it's a very modern way of thinking about it. Uh, and I guess like I'm in the middle, like I think all relationships end up having someone who's dominant and makes decisions. Um, but I don't like necessarily think it has to be a dude, but I just think that that's natural. Um, and again, you could have this whole conversation, look at passages in the Bible, but we don't have time for that. The point is, is if you're in that circle and that's something you believe, great. Um, and make sure that the other person believes that as well, because that is one of those things that could end up dividing. If he, if you or him are more egalitarian, that, that could be a problem. So I would say just look for men that are interested um, in, like, uh, in that and have similar belief um, and shoot your shot. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say, I don't know, for what it's worth. Which is um, not much. But you know, my, my advice... Dunked! Got him! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Savage. Third degree. Get some aloe vera for that burn. I need a bigger soundboard. Uh, yeah, I would say, look, like, Ashlyn, you know what you believe and what you how you want to raise your children, what you want to raise them to believe, assuming you want children. But, you know, um, you know who you want to spend your life with, and that's going to be someone with compatible values. So I think that... Uh, I mean, I, I tend to establish these things way too early, mm. <laughs> but, but, you know, as soon as it's comfortable to discuss for you and the person you're dating, yeah, you should be bringing up points of, uh, potential conflict, honestly, and just say like, okay, what do you, what do you think about this? What's your take on this issue? How do you view, like, I don't know, how do you? Like, Ashlyn doesn't say whether or not... She says she runs in circles right. that are traditional and complementary. I mean, she doesn't say whether... It sounds like she might be on the fence on some of those things. So be bold, be honest, and and, and state your truth and say, listen, like, you might think X, Y, Z, but I don't. And know that there is someone out there for you. And <sighs> unless you're honest with yourself and with the people that you're dating, you're never going to find them. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, and, and like broadly speaking, um, like as a Christian, I believe that the point of dating is to evaluate like potential lifetime partners through marriage. Yes. Yes. Um, absolutely. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that you have to be in a rush to get married. It doesn't mean that it has to happen. Like, I mean, I know Christians that have, they, they get married, they get, they start going out and propose three months in or whatever. Yeah, three months in, boom, like yeah. engagement. Yeah, I think that that's like that can work. Yeah, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but everyone is different, and every relationship between two people is different, and you need to figure out what is the right timing for you, what is the right timing for them, but it, it that should be like looming large in your mind that like okay, if you are dating someone. And this, you know, this is someone that you will not marry, and you're a Christian. Get the fuck out. Gotta break Run. it off. Yeah. Run right, because you're wasting both of your time. Yeah. Um. You gotta. You gotta ditch that. So yeah, I, I actually I hope that was helpful. I mean, 
you knew who you were coming to for advice, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you have loved ones that, that, that you're... could offer much better advice than two yeah. randos, even if yeah. one's then... theologically trained. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, definitely talk to your talk to your pastor yeah, or yes, priest about yeah, it. Yeah, talk to your talk to your pastor. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> but we're we're certainly no substitute for that. We are just a couple of shit talking morons. Mm. Um, so, well, one shit talking moron and uh, and George. <laughs> but uh, listen, we really appreciate the questions. Thank you for this. Was a long one and a really intense one. Yeah. So anyone that stuck it through, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it, and thank you so much for the questions. Again, it's coolkidsbiblestudy at gmail for any questions and we'd love to hear from you if you enjoyed this we'd also love uh for you to leave a positive review on whatever platform you listen to this in and so on that note george signing off au revoir <laughs> little french sign up oh uh, Zane, everybody <laughs> until next week goodbye stay cool cool kids <laughs>